0: This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High fm Good evening to all and thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Beyond Governance at High fm uh, 101.9. My name is Nimrod Mbele. Uh, I'm happy to be in your context or your environment for the next hour or so. Uh, as we unravel issues that happened last week. Uh, if you recall last week, we had a chairperson of Bidvest Group, Dr. Bonang Mahale, giving us insights on pertinent policy issues which potentially could unlock the budget deficit. As we all know that we're technically in recession. Uh, while on the same trajectory, we had inputs from the from the CEO of the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry, uh, Mr. Ellen Mukoki. You know, he also presented a very interesting perspective of some of the issues that he would wanted to see happening from the budget speech. Um, you know, my sense of the fact that we had these two thought provoking inputs from thought leaders and industry leaders, we had a fairly thun, you know a, a groundbreaking commentary, uh, which really needs to be un- 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 unpacked further. The question perhaps maybe is. To what extent are issues that they raise found expression in the budget speech? On that score, um, you know, perhaps maybe it might be useful for you to go to our website, uh, upload the website, and really listen, uh, based on what they have said, and and get back to us, in terms of what your thoughts are. Our SMS line is uh, three four five one nine. Telegram is o six one, eight, nine five one zero nine five. My email address is Nimrod uh, at KHAI.CO.ZA to to I really appreciate your comments and, and sometimes heartfelt views uh, on issues affecting the nation. As you know, uh, business confidence it it is at the heart of this uh, show. Uh, we always want to push uh, and understand what does it take to build a con- uh, business confidence. As you know, it is not an event, it is a process. Um, and in that process, the hard decision that has to be taken we all agree and concur that business confidence, in my view, is not for CCs. You really have to uh, be hard on 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 certain policy direct, you know, trajectory um, that 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 continues to pursue. I mean, you know, we all know that rhetoric um, at some point has found expression in the, in in the, in the country's public policy discourse, which, in my view, has serious limitation. We all know that. Talk is cheap, but money buy whiskey. And I see some of you guys saying, uh, you know, you know, uh, Nimrod, politicians make irresponsible statements daily. Surely if politicians are making, uh, you know, irresponsible statements daily, so rhetoric still reign in the country. Some might say, look, look at the, 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 the parliamentary, you know, uh, uh, the conduct of, of Parliament of members of parliament, the extent to which that resembles any decorum that is needed in the country, so essentially there's a lot of views about how business confidence can be created and obviously taking cue from our policymakers, legislators, and extent to which they inspire confidence and the extent to which they bring about business confidence that we all need as a country because outside business confidence, which is essentially the the driver of economic growth, we are pretty much doomed. Before we get into pretty much the gist of tonight's conversation, let's do what we often do by paying homage to those that came before us. Uh, Simon, thank you very much, David and Sina, for gracing the air waves. And all things be equal, they are here tomorrow to keep you informed and hopefully entertained And I think uh, they've done a sterling work uh, in as far as, uh, you know, shedding light on one of the pertinent issues which affect your lives. As a norm, I often start the show by reflecting pretty much on what stood out for me uh, in the week that was or, you know, during the course of the week. What stood out for me is the, obviously, uh, the the death of, uh, I suppose, a business guru, Jack Welch, who has, who was the the CEO of uh, you know a very known entity, General Electric, he has been there for 20 years at the helm, and during his tenure, uh, he saw the the market share of General Electric saw from 14 billion rents to 400 billion rents in the 20 years. By any stretch of imagination. That is something that needs to be that 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 needs to be applauded and lauded, but in the same vein, um, there's serious question that I want to posed in relation to his achievements. But before that, what was he known for? You know, I read a very interesting article about about one of his management philosophy. He kept, you know, he coined the, the, the 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 phrase of vitality curve, in which managers were ranked into three groups. You know, the first 20%, which was a group filled with passion, committed and making things happen. This is a group that he, you know, obviously had, 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 had to be treated differently based on the acumen, based on their values and their drive. And there was another 70%, which he defined as a big group, uh, which was essential, uh, to keep the company encouraged to join the A group, which is the 20%. Um, and, of course, the bottom line, or the bottom group, which is the C group, which, in his view, needed to be fired. These were a group of individuals who did not make any contribution whatsoever, and they could not live up to the expectations of General Electric as, an, as a company, and they, they, they had no space whatsoever uh, to share. you know. Um, and in the same vein, one thing that I've picked up, you know, given the fact that we're in a more inclusive economic trajectory, you know, we're more of a shareholder, I mean, uh, inclusive growth, not only a shareholder value, but a shared value. One thing that I've picked up, which, uh, you know, one of the top business folk, you know, really raised, which stood out for me, um, is the fact that he obviously was Acknowledged as a, a groundbreaking thought leader Who really made things happen But at what expense One would want to ask a question You know Because if you're a leader You can't only be obsessed with Share, you know And shoulders value their employees, their clients, their customers Who really matter in the business and, and if you If the analogy of just simply Categorizing people into A, B, C and the rest, you know, obviously, you know, doing our way because you think they're not cutting the right. grade. Perhaps maybe that worked for him, you know, based on how General Electric performed. Um, uh, but surely the bottom line is not only indicator of success. We need to broaden the scope, look at how best the the, the, the company is measured uh, by looking at other variables. You know, for an example, how does it, how did it fare? Uh, in relation to his his you know his stakeholders, the most important people his uh you know employees well, th- those are my views uh in a nutshell so i don 't know how he fed, but that 's something that we all always have to be critical about. yes, we are very quick to acknowledge and appreciate people for what they've done, but it doesn't mean we cannot you know critical questions yes, the bottom line counts, but we have gone beyond that realm of just pushing the bottom line as in. How has the company fared? How much money did you make? The question is at what expense? The most critical, you know, uh, you know people of your economy, of 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 your people, being the the the, the your employees. Anyway, those are my thoughts uh, in as far as what stood out for me. Uh, moving on very swiftly, we are joined online by Carl Wagner, who is the lecturer at the Vets Business School, uh, who as you know greshful agreed to give us his perspective around the budget speech we know that last week the minister of finance uh, you know gave the country marching orders in terms of tightening the belt and the budget speech has different ramifications for different folks uh, online i believe he is ready Carl, good evening and welcome well, well, looks like Clyde um, Carl Wagner is not available as yet. We will try and get a hold over him. But the idea was really to see how we can get uh, a, a different views uh, around how the economy is, you know, how the budget speech, uh, the kind of policy position maintained. Uh, uh, you know, by the by, by the finance minister. But before we get to Carl, personally, let me take this opportunity to welcome in studio guest. We've got Yonati, uh, you know, who, who is an independent consultant. And of course, we've got the regular voice on the show, uh, Justice Ndaba, who is an executive at Knowledge Incarnance. Colleagues, good evening and welcome.
1: Good evening, sir. Good evening, Doc. Thank you for inviting us.
0: Thank okay. You. Thank you guys. While we're still waiting for Carl to come through, Perhaps maybe it's fair for me to say your overall impression of the budget speech and be honest with me you know, what you thought before and whether your thoughts around the budget speech found expression in actual speech
2: thank you so much uh, you know, I was actually thinking that maybe a time has come To rethink how we do things. You know, for me, one of the challenges we face in this country and over a period of time is to evaluate what happens to our money. In other words, does it achieve what we intend to have the money to achieve? So if I were to look into the budget since the 93-94 financial year to maybe 16-17, Maybe you've spent something like 14 trillion rands as government expenditure. Do we have value that is in close proximity to them? even if it's 12 instead of 14, that we can say that over that time this is the value that we've been able to extract out of the expenditure that we've we, we've taken? And if we haven't, what has been the key planting aspects of our society that are keeping planting the efficacy of our expenditure. And out of that I'm then able to rethink the entire budget as 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 government. And and, and I can give some intuitive views on that. One of them is that I think people are at the centre of what of everything that we do as a country, as a government, as a private sector, as a judiciary, or as a parliament, all of them, there's one common denominator, which is people. And I think that we have not, in this country, having gone through experiences of hundreds of years of colonization, decades of apartheid, which all of them, the biggest impact thereof was on people. The one thing that we've not done in these 25 years of democracy is how do we improve the quality of our citizens? How do we have better citizens? Because at the end of the day, it is those citizens that either must receive this efficacy of our expenditure or they are the same people that must decide on what to spend the money on. And, and, and they are the people that must look after the infrastructure that we spend the money on. So everything boils down to people. And in my view, that's the one thing that we've not looked at. And if you look at where we are now, whether you look at state capture, whether it's corruption or whatever societal ill or economic ill that we have, they all boil down to people. So out of the 1.95 trillion that we're going to spend, How much are we spending in trying to improve the quality of the citizen? Not only from a health perspective, because even that, in my view, we are not getting the value of the money that we are putting into the system. If you go into the education, we are not getting the value that we should get out of for for the amount of money that we spend in education. I mean, of the three, the worst of them all is the amount of money that we spend on social grants. If I look into the last seven years or, or so... We'll spend something like 1.2, 1.3 trillion rands on social grants, which have deep-seated consequences of dignity, but also of entrenching a, a culture of a sense of, of entitlement and, and people not being, especially younger people, not working to be able to get some form of wealth and build their own houses to make an example. So I, I'm, I'm suggesting that if it was me, being the minister of finance, or it was me being the president, I I would have looked into the entire thing in a, little, in a in a in a bit different way. In other words, what can we do as citizens to improve ourselves so that whatever money or resources that we have, these resources will go further than they currently go? Because currently, the truth of the matter is, the state of the country or the state of the nation doesn't reflect kind of expenditure that we do as a country. Let's leave, before we get into whether we should have a deficit or not a deficit, just in a macro level, have a view that says of the amount of money that we spend from one financial year to the other financial year, are we getting the right value? And my, 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 my immediate response is we are not, and we are not because we don't look into the right things.
0: Absolutely. I believe uh, um, Carl Wagner is now on the line giving us a view. Carl, um, Carl, good evening and welcome.
3: Nimrod, good evening. Can you hear me?
0: Thank you very much. So, uh, la- la- loud and clear, loud and clear. Uh, as we're taking off, uh, Carl, the issue at hand is your immediate response to the budget speech. Firstly, I wanted us to be honest in terms of reflecting your initial view before and juxtapose it with the reality in terms of what really actually came out from the budget speech. Your take.
3: Well, I think my take initially, and I, I think it's said by a number of people, is it was something of a surprise. Um, I don't know if it was a good surprise or a bad surprise, but I think it was a bit of a surprise. Um, I do feel, in some ways, that the the budget that has been put forward has a number of positives. Um, I think the focus on tightening government spending um, rather than increasing taxation is a is a is a positive. Um, and listening to what we were saying before before I came in, I think I have to, to echo what was said, is we've got to question the value that we get from the spend. I, I think that it was a surprise. I think that in some ways its it's got many, many positives. Um, the fact that we want to cut, cut wage bill in terms of public sector makes sense. Um, last figure I heard was that uh, we had a 40% rise In numbers, in public sector in the last 12 years, that just does not make sense. The challenge that we have is obviously the current level of unemployment and how do we take care of the citizens of this country um, whilst we have to have much tighter... Uh, fiscal discipline, um, and though, those to me are the challenges. And, and how do we how do we become more disciplined in what we spend and how we spend? How do we get return on investment for our spend? How do we support um, a, a an efficient government rather than supporting a an inefficient government um, and perhaps one that has in, in in past perhaps been accused of corruption?
0: No, thank you very much, Carl. You, you've started very critical issues, which I suppose colleagues on studio have pointed at to. That is the value for money, the extent to which the budget, uh, and and that's that's an open secret. We have not derived value. When you look at when you when you look at one variable, irregular expenditure at the municipal level, clearly tells you that there's so much wastage in the system. Therefore, we're not getting value for money. Discount, you know, let alone corruption, maladministration. And 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 all these other issues, which led to the birth of the Zonal Commission into the into uh, uh, you know state uh, into state uh, capture, that tells you a lot about the extent to which, as a country, we have not derived derived value for money. So we know what the problems are. You know, uh, we, we, we've just recently been informed that we are technically in recession because we have had two successive quarters of, of zero growth. So, 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 so there is a lot of stuff that we are know, you know. But I think what leadership is all about from, from the president's side of things, from the minister's side of things, is really putting action to some of what you penned out as progressive policy position. What needs to happen from now, from where you're sitting?
3: Namraj, um, a large number of things have to happen from my perspective. I think we do need to accept that if we are going to turn this country around and if we are going to deliver a return on investment to the, the members of this country, which is what should happen, is I think we have to accept that we are into um, strongly into an, austeri- an austerity period. Um, I think it is inevitable that we're going to have to go through some tough times. Um, you raised a, a concept earlier, which I agree with, and that is business confidence, but also um, public confidence. And I think it is important that we create a, a society um, and a financial support of a society that builds business confidence and confidence in the public. This is going to be tough because we're going to actually have to go through some very tough times whilst trying to to build this confidence. I do not believe we can build the confidence until we can start showing return on investment. If I'm going to pay my tax, I want to know that this money is going to where it should be. Um, we had mentioned earlier of social grants. I think they're talking about something like 19 million people um, in the next two years will be receiving social grants. That does nothing for the dignity of humanity um, and the dignity of South Africans. I think we have to accept that. It's going to be tough. I think we need to make the right decisions. I think we need to make the tough decisions. And then I think we need to find creative ways to support people as we move through this tough time so that we can get to a stage where everybody benefits and starts getting a return on investment. And I think we have to question the public sector numbers. I don't quite know what the answer is because that can only lead to greater unemployment. The question that I have is also we have to look at the private sector. We have private sector that is, is, is still pushing for greater returns for shareholders. Um, and I go to your point on Jack Welsh earlier. I think we have to understand the concept of, of, um, stakeholders rather than just shareholders. I think we need to understand the concept of shared value. I think we need to find ways to support people as we go through tough times to be able to get onto the right footing. Um, I think we need to realize that this country actually is in a crisis. The World Bank, um, gives a warning that we are at a precipice. I think that we have to accept that we're at a crisis. We're not going to fix it, um, by just increasing tax and, and carrying on spending. I think we have to be disciplined and we have to find ways to support people and we have to give people a vision and a future that they can buy into and we have to deliver against that we cannot keep wasting money um, and losing the confidence of of the the south african citizen
0: i couldn't agree with you more perhaps maybe you know one of the issues that uh, you may just shed light on as as we're parting ways is the fact that this country has had a precedent of about what three uh, and mm. a half percent GDP, in the early years of democracy, and, and which the minister rightfully so reflected on, say we have the capability of going back to those kind of numbers, which will make sense. Um, but, but for us to go back to those numbers, we have to have a, a common discourse around policy certainty. And one of the issues around land distribution certainty around that the other one is around you know release of the necessary spectrum for for business players to come through the other one is probably not probably but definitely the reorganization of the state owned entities you know uh, rationalizing them to a point where we release sufficient resources or bring in equity players in that space and 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 so that these state owned entities Play the strategic role. So, so as we closing from where you, from where you, where you're sitting. So public and as you rightly pointed out, uh, you know, business and public confidence is all about giving the market those kinds of, of policy certainties. To what extent do you think this administration, uh, is going to walk the talk?
3: I would like to believe that this administration has um, in core elements the desire to walk the talk. Um, I am concerned about the freedom that the relevant parties will be given to walk the talk. Um, I think um, many players that are trying to do the right thing are on a tightrope. Um, I think we need to make the tough decisions. I think we need to um, walk the talk. I think we need to, um, as I've said already, support people as we go through these tough times. Um, But, you know, there's a view that says that 2020 and 2021 are really going to be milestone years for South Africa if we don't start getting this right we're probably on what the World Bank calls a precipice and we're probably going to go over that precipice we need to start the discourse we need to start delivering against our promises we need to be held responsible for our promises and we need to actually be quite, we need to have a combination of being ruthless um, in focusing on what we need to deliver and delivering and human in the way that we care for people as we try to go through this tough time because many many people will Will be suffering even more than they are now and I believe it is time where all players, the private sector as well as the public sector, have to come to the party to be able to support the society, to be able to go forward and come out far stronger um, in, in a few years time.
0: Thanks uh, for that, but maybe my final final part in short, um, Carl, is, is, you know, business has, has a specific role to play in resuscitating the economy. To what extent do you think business leaders and business association speak in one voice? I.e., the business of business is not to stand on the side on, 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 on the side of the road, but to be at the centre of policy that that will enable the country or the economy to be to be revised. How far do you think? Yeah. How far do you think the business, the business of business, is not so much about you know you know, maintaining a, a, a minuscule role instead of being part and parcel of the core?
3: Um, Nimrod, I believe you're quite correct. I think they have to be part of the core, but I think they have to be part of the core with the correct intent. And they cannot be at the core um, with a pure intent of shareholder. They have to be at the core um, with the intent of stakeholder. and And I think we have to accept that we're in a crisis and we have to accept that business must be in the core or at the core in terms of public policy, in terms of the way forward. And we all need to be doing things for the good of the country, not just for the good of the shareholder. And I'm I'm not always convinced that business is there yet. Certainly, we've got many um, organizations that are and make a major contribution, and I recognize that. But I think we need to do that even more. I think we need to sometimes understand we've got to sacrifice certain shareholder value for stakeholder value and stakeholder security.
0: Thank you very much, Clyde. I'm Carl Wagner, the, the lecturer at the Business School for that breathtaking, uh, input. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. You're Thank welcome. You. That was Carl Wagner, the senior lecturer at the Vest Business School. Give us a blah, blah, blah input as to how he views the budget speech that was delivered by the minister. maybe it's about time to take a break, Tibos, um, but as we're getting ourselves to take a break, I want to bring colleagues uh, back into some of the pertinent issues that Carl Wagner uh, brought to our attention. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second.
1: Hi, I'm David Aronovitz. For nearly 50 years, the Kolel Bookshop has been the supply of Judaica to the community. We pride ourselves on the extensive range we carry. Whether it be Art Scroll, Koren, Masnaim, um, we carry the most comprehensive range of books and giftware. Our superb gift range, including silver, glassware and mizazot, is always being updated. Our Talos and yarmulke range is awesome. Best price, best advice. Pop into us at 17 Northfield Avenue, Glen Hazel, for a Jewish experience.
0: Work it, make it, do it, make sense. Join the Morning Mayhem team
3: on Friday the 6th of March when we will be taking you inside the Synthesis Hackathon. Never. Over. We will bring you the developers, the ethical hackers and the ideas people behind some of SA's best known apps and tech. 6 to 9am, hashtag tech for good, hashtag Synthesis Hackathon. Never. Over.
2: It's the most spectacular time to save at Diskem's Beauty Fair. 2 plus 1 cheapest free on any Nivea ladies face care. Buy any exciting dove offer and win one of 40 2,500 Rand clothing vouchers. Free colour makeup brush from LA Girl when spending 250 Rand. And the second brush free when spending 350 Rand. Beauty Fair now on 21 February to 15 March. Come in for spectacular savings. Diskim, pharmacists who care.
1: This is Beyond
0: Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. It is now uh, 22 minutes to 7 o'clock. Time flies when you're really having fun. For those who have just joined us, we had a conversation with Carl Wegner, who is a lecturer at the Vets Business School, giving us insight of the analysis of the budget speech uh, given by the minister. They had very interesting points that he pointed out to which I want to tease them further uh, you know, through the conversation with the, my, my my guest in studio, Unati. Uh Unati perhaps maybe get you what what what, you know, uh Carl pointed out very clearly, you know, amongst other variables that are quite important was the uh you know, the proposed salary, I mean wage bill, uh which amounts to about hundred and sixty billion rands which the, the you know minister wanted to negotiate way out and we are told this is a pleasing exercise for the rating agencies. The two variables, the are, there are two issues that are quite thorny for me. One, I concur with the fact that the, the salary, you know, the wage bill of the public sector is quite economical. And whether the 160 billion rands over the medium term is is enough or a appropriate policy intervention or are we going to balance it out with other Initiative that are more income generating because when you're balancing these kinds of austerity measures, you have to look at the supply and demand. You know, at one level, we concur that the salary bill is quite high. Let's obviously make something about it. But in the same vein, you have to act, you have to plow, you know, the money into environments that are income generating that will stimulate economic growth. Because that is the only way in which you could escape the the austerity measures that you, that, that that is pretty much self imposed. Because nobody said you must go into austerity. Because we recognise the fact that under the circumstances, it's almost inevitable that we have to go into austerity. But how do you balance the two, and 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 without necessarily neglecting uh, the 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 stimulus? To generate economic growth. The point that I raised earlier before we we had a bit of a technical glitch was the extent to which, um, you know, we have to find a fine balance between austerity as in a self-imposed 160 billion raise that we want to manage, but in the same space trying to stimulate economic growth by uh, putting resources in productive, in a productive environment.
2: Maybe it's not an equilibrium that we'll be able to get and maybe there shouldn't be a desire to get it. I think that I would take a different approach where I would say we need to go back to basics and create the fundamentals right that would allow us to take short-term pain for higher long-term gains. I think that, that, that's the situation that we're in. We're not, we're, I don't think we're in a situation where we can, in the short term, find some form of unsustainable equilibrium between those two. In any event, I, I, as I said earlier on, I just think that what makes the proposal to reduce the wage bill hollow is when the president says that we will save this on future increases, we're not going to reduce the, the number of employees that are employed by the state. I mean, I, I've worked with the, with the, in the transport sector for a long time, and for the long time the Department of Transport had a staff number of about 300 people. They are now close to a 1,000 people. So, why do you need so many people? Because the Department of Transport nationally doesn't build roads doesn't 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 really engage the public on service delivery on any issues, so you need now a thousand people to 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 make policies that three hundred people used to make mm. so i don't think that's what i'm saying Some somehow whilst I accept what the unions are saying that on some of the the coal face. Service delivery departments or line departments like health, you probably need a bit more people, but there are some departments that are not like that, and i don 't agree that you need so many people to work for those departments and I think the issue is is goes back to the quality of the employees that the state has in its disposal, and whether those people can have the sort of i don 't want to use a, a a strong word like intellectual capacity, but where those people can engage with the issues sincerely and make proposals on what needs to be done. And then there's a follow on to ensure that those things, um, 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 um are done. But one last thing I'd, I'd like to say is I don't think we have the environment as a country to make the sort of drastic changes that we need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think there's too many interests that have been allowed around where the hegemony of the country sits. And that, in a way, in my view, has created a lot of illegitimacy to the existing hegemony of the country. And that illegitimacy creates problems for us to be able to make decisions. If it is a hypothetical situation, I think if, to make an example, perhaps a close to real example is, If we were in this situation and we had Nelson Mandela in this situation, would we not in him have somebody who can make these tough decisions? And he would make these tough decisions on an understanding that he is there in a legitimate way. So what happens when you have people from the same party as a president say, but the conference in which he was elected was bought? So... After that, now between us here, we will sit and what, what, what do we do? And then people bring other things that then are dealing with ESCOM and and a whole lot of things. So for me, that that's the fundamental problem. The the equilibrium question is for me is is a is a is a a symptomatic problem. The fundamental problem is 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 that we just and and we've not been able for decades now. To create an environment where we can be countries like Singapore, where when a decision has to be made, a decision has to be made.
0: Let's bring uh, Justice Ndava on this issue. I mean, Hon. <laughs> is very passionate um, with the, you know with the fact that with too many vested interests um, are literally stifling decision making, and and which then boils down to the legitimacy of the state. Because some of the hegemonic fest, because the, you know, the state has a different, uh, uh, you know, character, which it needs to, uh, put forward. Practically speaking, you know, you've heard, you've seen the budget speech. Um, to what extent do you think the levers which the, uh, the, the, the finance minister put forward? Um, for an example, let's look at SOEs as a way of a turnaround, which he projected, um, as w- and youth unemployment, social grants, modernization of network industry and in, in, you know, restructuring. The list goes on and on and on. Okay. Bearing in mind what Unati has pointed out, in your view, what do you think are we able to, to, to transcend these kind of challenges, which inherently calls upon unpopular decisions?
1: Uh. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for, for, for your question. Um, I, I, I think as a starting point, there's a number, there are a number of points that I agree with that uh, my previous colleagues have said. And of course, they, naturally, there would be other points that I disagree with. I think, to be honest, <coughs> uh, the finance minister in this instance did not have much room. Um, if you, One of the first things that we must do as citizens in South Africa is to appreciate the situation that we are in, which I think my colleague has... So, in essence, in the last 24 months or so, our situation, either economically or otherwise, has deteriorated. And therefore, when you are a a finance minister and trying to put together uh, how we're going to spend the money... Some of the things that come to um your table is where am I gonna get the money from so where is he so he's look he's looking at that um and he's dealing with a situation where his tax base is eroding, so he's fundamentally um other governments and other finance ministers before where they had six seven million people paying tax he's faced with a situation where that number has um, reduced by close to 30%, where it is around $4.5 million now. So that's where he's going to get money from. And his expenditures are, are growing. So therefore, whatever he's raising, uh, he's spending more than he's raising. So he's in a corner. And um, you have these SOEs that keep coming back with the, uh, uh, cap, in hand. cap in hand and training the same resources that <laughs> so, so, uh, coming back to the same ministry and say, look, give us more, otherwise we're going under. So he, he the, the number of things that he, he needed to do were quite limited in, in essence. So he had to come up with something very, very practical and something very, very balanced in the sense that it had to talk to someone that you are trying to attract to come in, which is uh, people that you are saying, come invest in my country, uh, and I'll do this and that and that. Mar, the, the 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 basic problem that we have, let's agree, and this is where I agree with my colleague, is the capacity of the state to deliver, in particular starting with the human resources. So... Um, <clears throat> And the, one of the critical things that the, the point that he made that I agree with is also the imbalance in the sense that where we have resourced, we have not resourced in the sufficient manner in the critical areas where we need the resources, human 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 resources speaking. So even though there is a generic view that we have um, our wage bill is too high in critical areas. Indeed, we are suffering in terms of capacity there because we have less and less human resources in those aspects. Because remember, in terms of service to people, uh, service to people is the police, uh, the nurses, uh, uh, the cold face. Uh, And when you go there, you have insufficient numbers of people. So one way or the other, we have resourced in areas where we don't really need the capacity... Now, when therefore you have the money in the, in the system, many a times we have situations where, uh, at the beginning of the financial year, the budget is passed by departments, uh, midway in, 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 in June, which is six months later, people are still talking about plans to spend the same money. And then in the ninth month, then they're running around trying to dispose of the money dispose of the money you know so what does that tell you and at that time they begin to call consultants and so on and so forth and some of the money indeed goes back so what does that tell you is that even in areas where we are able to spend the money we have struggled to do so because we lack the capacity to do so so in some areas is the is self-inflicted problem that we face so i think that is where the problem is where we need seriously to look in the capacity of the state to deliver on the basics. And I think that in a little way it spoke to that. Um, In some instances as well, I think two or three issues that forever in the previous three budgets were spoken about but not implemented this time around. There were plans to put them out there. For instance, the issue of the sovereign fund. Was now uh, put together Even though they detailed as to How is it going to be established uh, But at least it is there And they're about to resource it Because we would need that I mean countries like uh, the Scandinavians That have, have really progressed far Have been able to dip into sovereign funds and, 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 and so forth So to that extent And then the issue of the state bank I don't know what the state bank is going to do, do you, differently You, you want to
0: hold on to the thought Because I think, I mean I know um Eric Stillerman, who's on the line, patiently waiting to respond because he's very passionate about those kind of issues. Um Eric, uh, good evening and welcome.
4: Good evening, Nimrod, Justice, uh, in, uh Unati. No, I've been listening to Hi, you guys debating really interesting.
0: How are you? Great, you? great stuff. Look, we, we pretty much press for time. You, you know, you want to just weigh in, in the conversation based on what, yeah. uh, um, no, sure. you know, Justice sure. said and Unati yeah. said.
4: Yeah, No, I thought it was a great budget I I thought that he managed to pull a rabbit out of a hat Not raising taxes, not raising VAT In fact, even some reduction through through the inflation effect on personal taxation I I think that the, the wage plan People need to understand that that is a negotiated situation in this country Not one player can make a decision as much as everyone would like Cyril and Tito to be, you know, announce all the tough decisions, it's got to be negotiated with the social partners who are his partners and they're now in the public sector labor bargaining council to work out the detail of that saving of 150 billion rand. I do believe, okay, that those savings over the next three year period are going to be material in the sense that instead of a, an increases above the CPI, if you take the public sector wage bill of something like seven or eight hundred billion rand, then when you take one or two or three percent of that over three years, that, that comes to the kind of number that you're looking at. So it's very doable. And it's in a way the fact that, that, you know, Kusatu says that, that they're going to be tough in, in their bargaining, obviously. You expect your 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 negotiating partners to be tough, and yet they've given on the other side. They've they've undertaken not to retrench anyone. There's of course natural attrition, which will see the numbers go down in areas that are not critical. I also think that the other hundred billion that he announced that are that are the savings are in areas of money that's not actually being spent in local government and provincial government. So I thought all in all, the business community was very um, relieved. I, I think Moody's will, will be watching, you know, in terms of the credibility of the ability to actually negotiate that wage agreement, but it's in the negotiating process now. I think another point that people might not have noticed, which is the only one really that concerned me, is that the deficit went up to 6.8% of GDP. When a euro to a couple of years ago, it was 3% and then it crept up slowly and the debt is now going to be 66% of GDP, which is not really where we want it to be. But having said all of that, I agree with Justice that he managed to balance on a pragmatic basis various interests so that everybody, nobody was got everything they wanted and everyone got something to keep them going with some kind of hope that we can sustain our uh, fiscus and, and not be downgraded and move forward.
0: Thank you very much, uh, uh, you know Eric, for, for that uh, 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 view. The reality is that you know the the projected revenue is about what one uh, point one 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 and a half trillion, uh, which amounts to about twenty nine point two percent of GDP, and the expenditure is projected to be what what one point nine trillion, which amounts to or which translates to thirty what thirty six percent of the GDP. Bottom line is that we're yeah, running... You know a,
4: the numbers more off the top of your head than I do, yeah, yeah.
0: But, but the bottom line is we're running a, a huge deficit which is sitting in about 370.5 billion rands, which, which translates to 6.8. That's the reality of the budget deficit which is unfortunately increasing and if you don't arrest the, the budget deficit we, you, you, you run the risk of um, you know, uh, you know uh, of, of Imposition from financial uh, environment, or you know, uh, the, IMM, no, the no, IMF. We,
4: we, we all know that. That's where the uh, that's where the public sector wage bill cuts, and the provincial and local government cuts two hundred sixty billion rand will stabilise. That can be achieved, and many people believe it can't. You know, the credibility gap. I do believe that the social partners getting together and making it work is the crucial element, we'll turn that around. We'll stabilize and turn it around over a three-year period. But so my, that's his plan.
0: But my, my, as, as a parting shot on my, on my side, um, Eric, is the fact that at some yeah. point, as a leader, you have to take decision. You know, this yeah. consultation paralysis, it does literally paralyze that this no, is you, making.
4: What you've missed there, Nimrod, is he's taken a decision. They've taken a decision to reduce public sector wages 150 billion rand. But what... If, now I realize but what, the other partners are going to be <coughs> objecting and kicking back. You can't just make a decision and expect the country to carry on functioning without. It's not... It's gone beyond cons- consultation Fair pre-budget n- consultations happened
0: Fair enough, Eric Fair, fair, enough, fair, fair mm-hmm. enough, I agree with Fair enough But what is the public confidence <laughs> Around the, the, the transformation of the, of the SOE environment Is there confidence in that space My view of how I've read uh, the, the budget speech Does not really inspire so much confidence Around what is happening in SOE Justice as correctly pointed out SOEs from time to time are coming back to government, cap in hand. We needed a policy certainty around those. Are we restructuring, and how many of these 150, uh, you know, uh, state-owned entities, which are literally draining the resources? We were, we ought to have received a clear and decisive direction on where the state is going in relation to SOEs. No,
4: I, I, you know, maybe you live in a different country to me, but I heard, I've heard. The, state, the president saying exactly the plans that they've got. And look who's in place just over the last few months. You've got a business manager of ESCOM with very def, a very definite mandate to stabilize it, restructure it, get the maintenance of, of the operations stable without too much load shedding. We've seen that People are missing the good news here, that's unfolding, it's in process already. And SAA is under one of the most experienced business rescue practitioners in the country.
0: You, you, Eric, you, you, you mentioned the point. Eric, you missing the point. There are about 750 SOEs in the country. S, SAA and Eskom are just one of the two. Okay, and yeah, all of these are not, are the are not making money. The real issue is how do that's we... That. Yes, Eric? Yeah,
4: okay. you know, I lost you there from, obviously these are the two big problem ones and they, and that these are the, the models or the, the templates that they're going to use. We don't even know, we haven't heard much about the other uh, SMEs, except on a, you know, an intent level from, from, from Ramaphosa. So I, I I'm not, you know, in any confusion. About the policy certainty around the restructuring of SOEs. It's, but, it's quite clear. But, but, you know, but. I don't know.
0: Okay, look, we, we feel, I, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there, but reality is that okay. we, we've got justice and we're literally about like 30 seconds to wrap no, up.
4: Thank you so much, Nimrod. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You are, you are Sorry I couldn't come in today. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, then. Bye so, bye. There you go, that was uh, Eric Stillerman giving us his view, which I don't agree with, you know, in, in the main, because ultimately you really, yes, we understand that there's this consultation that, been, that like, is happening. and that deck has a particular role to play, but business confidence is all about taking the bull by its horn and making unpopular decisions. I don't know which country I'm living from or the planet that I'm coming from based on him, but I maintain that particular, you know, uh, posture. And I'm not apologetic about it. You finally part in short justice.
1: I think as a country we need to th- start thinking differently, which we are not. Um, the, uh, for instance, our social grants, uh, in the manner in which they, they are paid, it's really just for consumption. We need to look at how we influence ways where these can be used for production. Um, we, we, we need to look at this, this, this obsession with budget deficit, with deficit, sometimes even that has to be re-looked at because we need to start looking at instruments to, to enhance, uh, 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 uh spending, which means that people need to go into the economy and spend, so we need to look at different instruments.
0: When I see a final part, is really saying we need to wrap up.
2: Yes. Live within your means. Two, savings in future increases. It's a zero sum. You're saving something you have not even spent on. So I don't understand that. On top of that, I think there's something, one last thing is, the road accident fund has liabilities that amount to $600 billion. Hmm. If you think ESCOM is a problem financially now, the road accident fund has liabilities of $600 billion, right? Thank you, Dr. Nimrod. Thank you.
0: My goodness, that warrants a conversation further. On its own. Folks, thank you very much for coming through. I hope the listeners have thoroughly enjoyed uh, our conversation as we always trying to push the envelope. Until we meet again, have a good one.